This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. on our money. Now, we looked last week, we talked last week about uh, wealth and attitudes. Wealth and attitudes. Because, you know, uh, <clears throat> if you took a survey and we ask you, which was your least favorite day of the week, what day do you think might be most selected as your least favorite? Why is that? You go back to... See, that tells us something's wrong. And we looked last week, uh, you know, in Genesis that, you know, work is not a result of the curse. It's not a result of the fall. Before the fall, God put his man and his woman in the garden. He said, work it, keep it, uh, cause it to increase. And eventually what he wanted to do was to, to spread Eden out all over the whole planet. That was the idea. And we talked about that, you know, there were three things that, we're, are connected with our work that sometimes we lose sight of. And that was, number one was purpose. Does any, anybody remember any of this? I know there's a lot of water on your bridge since last week. Purpose. Hey, somebody's talking it out back there. Development. What, what God has given us, our abilities, our talents, all of those things. God wants them. As we work, we develop those things. And then thirdly, Serving. There's a service that's provided as we work. We serve, we serve other people. We serve communities. We serve our families, certainly because we provide for them. But in all these things, this is God's plan and God's purpose for us. So the first thing is we have to get an attitude adjustment. And I've told you I've had to have an attitude adjustment pretty regularly sometimes. Now you, you probably are all wonderful. <clears throat> but in case you need to... <laughs> Make sure of that. And we see this brought over. You remember, the, the, we looked at it briefly, the, uh, the parable of the talents. Everybody knows that parable, don't we? You can find it in several places. But Matthew 25, you know the story where Jesus said, this is the way the kingdom of heaven is. This is how God's kingdom is. And he goes, he says, he gave uh, to one five, one two, and another one one, didn't he? And the whole intent of that was what? That they were, number one, they were stewards. Isn't that right? So we know we're stewards of the abilities, the talents, what God's given us. We're stewards of that. That means we're not the owner. See, an owner can do whatever he wants to, but a steward can't. See, if a steward starts acting that way, it's called embezzlement and you go to jail. <laughs> but if you own it, you can do whatever you want to. So he, he gave us that parable and he said all of these were given. And you know the first one, it says he went out and immediately put it to work, didn't he? The second one went out and immediately put it to work. But the third one, who got the one, what did he do? He buried it. Why? Because he, if you read later in it, he said he did that because what? He was afraid. Remember we said the love of money or the fear of money is a snare. And he said, I was afraid. But the two that put theirs to work, what happened? It increased, didn't it? Each one doubled it. But it, there was an increase there. And this is the way that God intends for us to use the abilities, 
the resources that He's given us, whether they're, they're, they're the intangible things of our talents and gifts or ideas or whatever they may be, but also, uh, you know, whether it's wealth or money or whatever He's given us, He wants us to use that in a way that honors Him and that glorifies Him. Amen? And that's kind of just a quick summation or catching us up from, from where we were uh, last week. Now, we're talking about God's financial plan today. Now, let me just say this. Next week and the next week, we're going to, next two weeks after today, we're going to be talking about wealth management and particularly about making wise financial decisions. Wise financial decisions. Because, you know, until we learn to use what we have wisely, why do we expect God to keep giving us more? See, God's not like the federal government. See, they keep spending, you know, more than they should, but, you know, they just go down to the basement with the printing press and print up more money. There's a tremendous danger to that. Cindy and I lived in some countries in South America that did that. They spent more than they had and they kept printing money. And it got the, the hyperinflation got so bad that what used to be a hundred uh, peso became a hundred thousand peso. Wow. I could take two hundred dollars in U.S. money in my pocket at one time and take it down to exchange it, and I had to take a small bag or suitcase to put the money back in. You say, oh, that couldn't happen here. Listen, economics is the same. It works the same everywhere, just like gravity works the same everywhere. You start getting too much money out, you hear people talk about inflation, getting too much money out there. Well, see, God's, God's wise. He doesn't do that. He's not going to go to the printing press and print up more money and keep just giving you more and more money so that you can continue to, to just use it unwisely. So we're going to look at God's financial plan today. Look in Deuteronomy real quickly, Deuteronomy 8. Let's see what God thinks about it. Not what I think about it, not what you think about it. Today we're looking at what God thinks about it. Now, you're entitled to your opinion, and that's fine. But today we're going to look at God's. Okay, we're going to look at His opinion. Notice what He says here. He says, uh, in verse 17, He said, you know, as they were going into the promised land, He said, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You ever run into people like that? Well, I'll tell you what, Pastor, you know, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. Well, I wish you would come to church and give us a demonstration of that. I want to see you reach down and pull yourself up. You can't do it. He said, the, so the first thing is, is we got to get God's attitude about it. He said, be careful that you don't say my power and the strength of my hands, because where did you get that power and that strength? Where did you get that ability? Where did you get that intelligence? Where did you get that breath? Where did you get that strength? You got it from God. Amen. And he says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Well, that tells us right there that it can't be wrong to be wealthy because if it was, God would be a partner to sin. Because he says he's given you the power to get wealth. Amen. God put everything in the earth, when he created the earth, all the silver, the gold, the platinum, the iron, this, all the minerals that are here, everything that's here, he put it here for mankind. Are you listening? 
Who else did he put it here for? God don't need it. The angels don't need it. It sure ain't for the devil. <laughs> it's, for, it's for mankind, and especially in this age, it's for God's church, God's people, God's kids. Amen? Now, I want to see, I, you know, I'm glad to see everybody have their needs met. We don't want to see anybody hungry. We don't want to see any, but especially God's children, if it's for anybody, it's put here for us. And he says it's God's that's given you the power to get wealth. So the first thing we need to understand is don't be saying I can't prosper because somebody's lying. Because God says he's given you power to get wealth. You say you can't. So, so who's right? What does the scripture say? Let God be true. So that's the first thing. And you've got to get your attitude right on this. God's financial plan. That there is ability in each one of us. Now we know not everybody has the same talents and the same abilities, do they? Boy, I know that. Not everybody has the same one. Now, you know, we get the idea in the world. See, the world misleads us sometimes. You know, because, you know... Nowadays, you know, everybody gets a trophy. Come on. Oh, and we tell everybody, I mean, everybody can, you know, we want to tell everybody, you can be a brain surgeon. You can be a rocket scientist. You can be, but you can't. You, and that, see, that's because we've got this hierarchy in the world that says if, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a, a neuro, in neuroscience, you're more important than somebody that's down here you know, uh, working a nine-to-five job. But see, that's not the way the kingdom works. I said, that's not the way the kingdom works. See, that what you do doesn't determine, as far as your job and all, doesn't determine how God loves you, how important you are, how special you are, none of that. So not everybody's going to be a rocket scientist. Not everybody's going to be an NFL superstar. We have to look, what is the talents and abilities that God has given me? But that through every person, there are talents and abilities if they will be developed and utilized and we will get in on God's financial plan that God can abundantly bless you so that you can be rich. Rich means having a full supply. I didn't say you were going to be a millionaire. Maybe some of you will, but not everybody will. There's no promise in there that God says everybody's going to be a millionaire. He just said everybody, he said, I'll make you rich. Plenteous in goods. That mean, the word rich means to have a full supply. Look it up. Isn't that right? So that you've got enough to, to meet all your needs abundantly, and you can be a blessing to the kingdom of God, and you can help others. Amen? Amen. That's God's plan. So just, you know, remind yourself. God, let's say this together. God has given me the power to produce wealth. Let's say that together. God has given me the power to produce wealth. Absolutely. And He wants you to have it. What good is gold in the ground? What good is oil in the ground? Listen, what good is a field unplanted and uncultivated? Oh, there might be some beauty to look at, but what, what's, a, what's a, the benefit is when what? When somebody begins to utilize it, to cultivate it, to develop it. Isn't that right? You might, God can give you one idea. See, here's the thing. Why don't we go to God, especially we who are believers and spirit-filled believers, why don't we go to God and get God's ideas? 
Can you imagine what a God idea would be worth? Oh, man, you know, people pay big monies to go see, you know, all the, the IT, you know, gurus, you know, uh, whoever's got, you know, some big business, successful business person, whether it be man or woman that's started a business and, you know, and now they're worth billions. And, man, people will pay any kind of money to go and to hear them. And, you know, and, and, and especially if they to do a one-on-one, they'd pay almost anything to go. But listen, did you know you can go? to the God of the universe in your prayer closet, and he is full of wisdom, and he's got ideas that nobody yet has discovered. He's got inventions that nobody else knows about yet. He's got ways and means of doing things. Come on. Don't limit God. Amen? Then let me just read over here in Proverbs. I'm just, you know, this is just my introduction here. So Proverbs 3. But we have to settle this first. Settle it, settle it, settle it. And the reason I hit this so hard is because traditional churches told us that, you know, that either God don't want us to have anything or it's evil to want anything. I don't know about you, but I like living in a house. I'm glad I didn't have to get up three hours early to walk here this morning. I was able to drive. My vehicle, I mean, I like that. I'm, I'm enjoying this air conditioning in here this morning. Amen. Amen. What, what's, what's, what's bad about wanting something good? Don't, don't let people throw you that way. Listen to this. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new Wine. Wow. So I want to talk to you about the tithing covenant. The tithing covenant. Now, let me just preface it a little bit here because I know, you know, in the, in the body of Christ, there's all kinds of opinions and ideas about tithing. You know, everything to where, well, that was under the Old Testament. And we don't do that anymore till you know, till, till people, you know, saying, well, you know, uh, you know, you should bring all your tithes and give it to the preacher. We get extremes both ways. So let me talk about something here to preface it. Tithing was not initiated under the law. It was included under the law, but that's not where it was initiated. So when we talk about tithing in the church age, we're not talking about under the law tithing. You say, well, I think we should. Well, then you need to start bringing about 30% of your income because under the law, the tithe was right at 30%. So you sure you want to go under that? It's okay by me. <laughs> but see, we get all under that, see? And we, we get to thinking about that because then, you know, we're, and we're going to read from Malachi because we're going to bring some principles from that. But see, because under the law, God said this, you know, if you didn't keep the law, you were under a curse. But see, we're not under a curse anymore because what? We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. <laughs> Through Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? So when we're talking about tithing, we're not talking about, you know, under the Old Testament or the Old Covenant that, that Israel had. We're talking, we're going to go back further than that. The, the tithing began as early, really, you see it in, in Genesis, where, you know, the, the, uh, Adam's two boys, Abel and Cain, they brought and presented a tithe to God. Well, you know, that wasn't, there wasn't any law given yet. They brought a tithe there. 
And it's all about the tithing is, uh, that God receives and rejoices in is not something where you're made to do it like they were under the law, but now it's a covenant that is we recognize God's blessing in our life and we respond by faith and love and give back to God. And see, you can tithe but your attitude in your heart is, is wrong about it. You resent it. You feel like you're being made to do it, and it won't benefit you. And you'll just be miserable. You might as well just keep it if that's how you're going to do it. Oh, boy, I never heard a preacher say that. Well, you know what? God meets our needs, doesn't he? Amen? Well, we appreciate you giving. Don't misunderstand me. But I want to help you in this, Okay. And so it was initiated before the law, and it was entered into by faith. But I want us to skip ahead. Let's look over in Genesis 14. I I mentioned it, and you can read that over in Genesis 2. But for the sake of time, I want to look ahead to Genesis 14 to Abraham, because Abraham is called the father of faith, isn't he? He's the father of faith. He's the one that, if you look at in Romans and other places, is referred to as the one that we emulate in our faith. Amen? So when we look at him and see, okay, how did Abraham handle this thing? How did he do it? Since he's the father of faith, let's look over there. We're, it's, entered, it's, it's entered into by faith, which is what Abraham did. And if you look over there in Genesis 14, and we'll look at, begin reading at about verse 17. After Abraham returned from defeating uh, uh, the kings that were, uh, uh, and all the kings allied against him, you remember that, you know how... Uh, a lot was uh, captured in the kings. Were, all the, the three kings came out and against Sodom and everything. And, and they came out to meet him in the valley, uh, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out wine and bread. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. Now notice, here was... The priest of God coming out and telling Abraham, now this, there was no law, there was no sacrifices initiated, none of that. This was during the, the, the time of the patriarchs, and Ad, uh, Abraham was here, he had just gone out, he had defeated these three kings, he had gotten Lot back, and, and, and a lot more besides, and he had just taken all the wealth that those kings had had, and he, all of that, you know, technically, it belonged to Abram, it belonged to him. And so the, uh, Melchizedek, Melchizedek comes out and begins to, you know, break covenant meal there. That's what it was. Bread and wine was a type of a covenant meal. There was a covenant here. And he said, Abraham, you're blessed of, of God the Most High. In other words, God did this for you, Abraham. God gave you the victory. God's given you this prosperity. God's given you these people that you, you've taken in and all the, this wealth. And it says, and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Wow. A tenth of everything he gave to Melchizedek. Wow. And if you go on and read, you can read in other places. It said that, that Abraham continued to increase and gold, and silver, and cattle, and sheep, and goats, and men servants, and maid servants, etc., etc. Wow. When we recognize that God, our Father, is the owner, and that everything that we have has come from Him, everything that we have has come from Him, then 
first of all, that makes us to understand, you know what? I'm a steward. Now, we're talking about literal wealth here, but you know what? There's wealth inside you that hasn't been tapped yet. Are you listening? There's wealth inside, I believe this, inside every one of us that hasn't been tapped yet or it hasn't been tapped to its fullest. As we develop gifts and abilities, as we, we develop our mind, as we develop certain skills, as we gain certain knowledge, as we begin to apply that, you know what? It produces more, doesn't it? You know, it used to be something they called the, uh, back during the gold rush, they called the assayer's office. And basically what that was is, you know, at the beginning of the gold rush, they just went out and picked up, you know, they could just see some gold nuggets on the ground and they picked that up, you know, and people got pretty well off doing that. And then other people, you know, they got the idea, hey, you know what? If there's gold out here on those nuggets, I bet you there's some in that, that stream right there. And they begin to pan gold and they got even wealthier. But you know who really tapped into that and got the wealthiest? Those who dug down and mined it and brought it out. But when they brought that out, that ore out, it had dirt in it. It had other rocks and minerals mixed in with it. And, and so they would take it to the assayer's office and the assayer would extract that gold through a process and then he could tell them how pure that gold was and what it was worth. Those were the ones that really became wealthy. And so we can use by analogy what I'm saying is this, is we, we may take our talents and abilities and we'd be like people that went out and we just, we, you know, we got the easy money. We found some nuggets on the, you know, on the ground. We picked those up and hot dog. And we're so happy. And maybe you've been one that developed your talents and abilities to the point to where you've got an idea, hey, I, I can get out here and begin to get in this water and begin to pan some of this gold and get even more. But you know what? It may be that God has a mother load idea for you. Or you can get an idea for an, a service or a company or, uh, you know, or to develop uh, skills and abilities that you have to a degree even further. And the more you develop them, what? The more they can be used, what? To bring wealth into you and into the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? Look over in Galatians real quickly. Galatians chapter 3. I want to connect this because I mentioned this earlier. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Paul is speaking here and he's comparing Abraham to us. And he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming cursed for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, not only is he talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit through the new birth, that is one of the things that he's referring to here. But he's also saying that just as Abraham had a relationship with God by faith, and that relationship was first and foremost a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, which that's what's the most important for us. But he also says that we've been what redeemed from the curse of the law. That means that we don't have to keep the law anymore. We're not under the law. That, you know, the, the law had, uh, uh, under the law, as it came to money, Israel 
was commanded to tithe right at 30%. I won't get into all that, but it was close to 30% of their income. Can you imagine? Wouldn't it be great if you could live, if, if God so blessed you, you could give 30% of your income and still live wonderfully, wonderfully well on 70%. Wouldn't that be something? Anybody ever heard of J.C. Penney's? Well, when he started, when, the, when he, Penny started his business many, many years ago, J.C. stands for Jesus Christ. That was his partner. And he gave 50% of his income to God. Wow. 50%. That's remarkable, isn't it? Wouldn't that be something you could give? 50%. And he said, the more I give, he said, he said God keeps blessing me so much. He said, I can't, you know, you can't, I can't outgive God. Well, wouldn't that be something? That would be a, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a wonderful problem to have, Chris? That God so prosper you that you're, you were busy, kept busy all week just finding pl- people and places to give it away. Come on. Oh, that's for, that's for people like Phil Knight and Nike. That's for those big shots. Well, who said that? Who said that? You know what? Why can't you be the next one? Why can't you be one? If not on that level, on a greater level than you're at. Because we'll see in the kingdom that wealth is little by little. You build, you build, you build. Because this is the truth in the, in the natural realm as well as in the kingdom of God. Money and wealth that's gotten quickly is lost just as quickly. They say most people that win the lottery, in two years' time, they don't have anything. They're broke again. Because they don't know how to manage it. Amen? I've had people tell me, oh, pastor, you know, if God just blessed me, you know, with $100,000, man, I'd give $10,000 to the church. You know, and I go back and check, and, you know, they're not giving the dollar on the 10. <laughs> if you can't let go of a dollar, you, I know you're not going to let go of 10000 Because, <laughs> you know, you write that check out, and you start putting all them zeros there. And that brain says, man, what I could do with that 10000 I don't really think the church needs all that much money. Come on. See, you've got to start with the dollar before you can get to the 10000 And God knows that. That's, and, you know, and that's not putting anybody down. That's just human nature. Man, you know, you, you go to give that 10000 somehow your hand won't let go. <laughs> Amen? Absolutely. But you know what? It's a wonderful, liberating day on the day that you're able to do that. You know, letting go of $10 off the 100 may be a big step of faith for you if you haven't done it before. Man, I can remember when $100 was a pretty big deal to me. Are you listening? I'm serious. It's all relative, isn't it? He's redeemed us from the curse of all that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. So we enter into the tithing covenant. We enter it by faith. And then it was passed to us by faith because the Bible says, if you be Abraham's children, look at that last verse in that, that uh, chapter, verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're heirs according to the promise. God promised Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to make you plenteous. I'm going to make you the head, not the tail. God wants us, His people, to be the head and not the tail when it comes to finances. Listen, no condemnation. 
listen to me, but I want to speak plain to you. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. But listen, if you're in debt, you're not the head. You're the tail. I got another one of those crazy, stupid checks in the mail. You ever get those things? I mean, it's a real check. They say, just sign it and deposit it. I think, man, what if somebody got a hold of that? And I flip that thing over as I always do because I always get a chuckle out of it. I flip that thing over and the interest rate on that is 48 point something something percent. I'm like, are you, what kind of knucklehead do you think I am? See, that, but debt makes us the tail, not the head, doesn't it? And I've been there before, but thank God I'm out of it now. Glory to God. <laughs> it's, good to be, it's good to be the head, not the tail. I've been both places. And I'm telling you, God's financial plan about how to get out of it. And it's not just about your giving. That's a component of it. But it's also about your living, your giving, your living, and your management of what you do have. Okay, it's, it's a number of different things because, you know, one extreme says, well, if you just give, you know, man, you're going you're gonna to be blessed. Well, th- here's the thing. You know, if I keep passing you $100 bills and you keep throwing them into the fireplace there, you're not going to accumulate much wealth. <laughs> well, God, just give me more. Well, why? You keep throwing it in the fire. You're throwing it away. You're getting in debt. And, you know, and a lot of that has to do with our attitudes, you know. All the advertising. You must have this. If you have this, people are really going to think you're something. You need the latest pocketbook. On Mother's Day. Yeah, I went there. You can't have a nice pocketbook. But I'm talking about, I've seen some pocketbooks, they're talking about several thousand dollars. Yeah, any of y'all ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. Look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> or we could talk about the guys and the latest toys. I'm an equal opportunist. Okay, get that fishing boat. Those box seats. To... Whatever your sport team is, I ain't going to go there. <laughs> but see, we, 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 we need to learn how to manage what we got. Because the world says, hey, you can have it all now. But they don't tell you the flip side of that. And that is that you're going to be in debt. And that thing that you, you thought you were only paying, you know, three or $400, by the time they add that interest on, you end up paying 2000 for it. By the time you get it paid off, it, it's already broke and ain't no good no more. Something else is in style. You, ever, you know why the world changes styles on things, don't you? They want your money. We'll look at this later, but when the children of Israel uh, were getting ready to go into the promised land, God warned them against all the ites and the bites. Now, the one he warned them with the most was the Canaanites. And the Canaanites were merchant people. They, that's how they made their business. They were business people, merchant people, you know. And uh, one of the ways they made their money was by lending money. He said, don't get under bondage to the Canaanites when you go into the land. You know what the Canaanites today are? They are all those people that are wanting to send you those wonderful credit cards. 
so you can have it now. And we're going to talk about it. There's a place for credit cards, but it's not to go out and, you know, and to buy your groceries and to live way beyond your means and to get in debt and all that. We're going to talk about that. But see, that's what the Canaanites want you to do. They want your money. That's what the world wants. They want your money. Is it all right if I talk plain? <laughs> they want your money. And they want you to be in bondage. But listen, we're going to talk to you about how you can use that same system, turn it around, make it work for you instead of against you, and you become the head, not the tail. I'm not going to pay you 40 11 payments and servitude for the rest of my life. And if I miss one, you're going to come get me. <laughs> my God's bigger than that. How about you? Let's look at real quickly elements of this covenant, this tithing covenant. Let's look over to Malachi. Now, I, I preface what I preface because when we get to Malachi and we look at this, God is speaking to the Israelites, but there are principles here that still are valid for us, even though we're not under the curse or the law concerning tithing. Is everybody listening to me? Okay? Because I don't want you to go out and say, Yeah, but Pastor Nar said, we're a, we, you know, if you don't tithe, you're under the curse. I did not say that. I said, you are not. Are you listening to me? But there are still principles associated with the tithe. And if you want the benefits, then you've got to do something. See, God don't give participation trophies. Everybody's going to get a trophy. You read over there where it talks about that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we will all receive according to what? Everybody's going to get the same. No. This is according to your works. You didn't do nothing, you ain't going to get nothing. Now you're saved, thank God for that, but you ain't going to get no reward. He said, you know... If you don't do anything with what God's given you, he said, then that's all wood, hay, and stubble. And he said, it's going to be burned up. And he said, you'll be saved, but it's going to be like going through the fire. So he said over in Corinthians, you can read it over there. We don't have time to go over there. So I'm not saying that you're under, you're not under, you're not going to be under a curse. But here's the thing. You won't get the benefit and the blessing of, of being in the tithing covenant if you don't do it. And you will give an account to God as to why you didn't help support His work. You don't give an account to me. I don't come to any of you and say, hey, you know, aren't you doing this or that or the other? That's not my job. That's, that's between you and God. But as your pastor, I want to help you to understand and know that so that you don't have any excuse. You can't say, well, you know, Pastor Norris didn't tell us. I'm telling you. You know? And I love you. I do. I want you to be blessed. I'm not saying, as Paul said, he said, I'm not saying this, you know, so that we can receive some benefit. Amen. I don't control the money anyway. But here's the thing. I want what? I want you to be blessed. I truly do. So look over here, Malachi 3. He says, uh, here he says, he said, Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? How in the world can that be possible? He said, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. Now, he's talking about to those under the law. So you're not under a curse. But I want to read this because there's principles here that we can, we can, we can still apply to us. He said, uh, because you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. One of the reasons for tithing is to supply 
God's house. Are you listening? You know, we, we, we give out, usually once a month, we, we give out a newsletter to let you know all the different things that your money is doing as far as other ministries that we are supporting both here locally and around the world to get the gospel out. Part of what you give, it goes to feed kids, it feeds orphans, it houses orphans, it builds churches, it, it propagates the gospel to people who haven't heard the gospel, it's planting churches, it's doing a lot of different things as well as supporting your, your local church, your passion church. And so, here's the thing, if you want to get in on the benefit of that, amen? I mean, like, one ministry that your tithe supports through this church is Charlie and Kathy Milbrot in Thailand. And they average planting at least one new church every month. They, their students that they're training are going into new areas, they're breaking in new territories taking the gospel to, to remote places and to towns and villages that haven't had it, when they get a group of people together, then they come in and build a church. Your giving is helping to support that. So all those churches that are being planted, all those people that are getting saved and blessed, filled with the Spirit and healed and all, you will get credit before God for that. But if you're not giving, you won't. So he says... First of all, we bring the tithe in what? So that there may be food. Think about all the, you know, the orphans there also in Thailand that we're helping to house and to feed. Did you know that, that Charlie, they've been there, what, over 30 years, well over 30 years. They've got people, now they're into the second generation. They've got people that were, were orphans that they took in there. They educated them naturally. They educated them uh, you know, with the gospel, they're saved and filled with the Spirit, and they taught them. And these people are now, they're in businesses, they're in government, they're in industry. Wow. Isn't that awesome? And see, your, your giving helped to produce that. So you're going to get credit for that. So you're going, you know, you, you're going to get up before the Lord, and you're going to be like the people that Jesus said, Lord, when did we do all this stuff? He said, inasmuch as you did it unto the least of these, you helped to do it. Paul said to the Philippians, he said, you're partners together with me in the gospel. So when we give that tithe, what? We're partnering with God so that there's food in the house, he said. Now notice this. He said, bring the whole tithe in the, the, the store so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Wow. You know... If God was a southerner like me, he'd say, I double dog dare you. <laughs> Prove me. Test me. Test him. This is what, this is what God says. You, know, you don't have to believe a word this preacher is saying, but if you believe your Bible, then put God to the test here. If you haven't been tithing, you feel like you can't tithe, put God to the test. Check it out. If it ain't true, then you're fine. But prove it. Prove it out. You see, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Woo! You know, if you, if you look, uh, you know, probably all banks are the same, but if you look at your bank, they'll say that it, you know, FDIC insured means it's the, the federal deposit 
insurance company has, will insure it up to $100,000. Well, wouldn't it be great if you had so much you had to have several banks to keep it in? I just went over your head, didn't I? Come on. Isn't that right? Come on. I mean, if you wanted to be insured, if you had a million dollars, you'd have 10 banks, right? <laughs> so much blessing. But you know what? Let's start where we are. You know, uh, I've been there where, you know, the, the, you know, that the month ran out. You know, I mean, the month went longer than my income went. You ever been there? Where, you know, whoo, I went to go look at my money and my money was gone, but there was still some more months left. You know what I mean? You know, we used to talk about getting the ends to meet. Sometimes, you know, we couldn't get them in, you know, in the same county, let alone get them to meet. But God, see, that's the starting place. God wants us. You know, we do not have to live. You do not have to live paycheck to paycheck. I believe that with all my heart. That God wants to bless us so that we've got more than enough to give to the work of God, uh, you know, to meet all our needs, to take care, uh, you know, and help other people. Amen. We're going to talk about this, you know, in wealth management, you know, you ought to have, you know, I was reading, they said that most people in America, this is just across the board, Christian, non-Christian life, if, if they had a, a, an emergency of $1,000, they would have to go in debt to take care of it. Come on. God wants us better than that. Are you listening to me? God wants us better than that. You say, boy, pastor, I came to be blessed. I think, you know, this is so natural. Well, Jesus talked about money a lot. And he said, you can tell someone's spirituality and somebody's maturity by how they handle the money God's given them. Are you listening? Oh, it's awful quiet in here. I feel the love. I'm going to help you anyway. God says, prove me. He said, I will pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. Do you believe God will do what he says he will do? Amen. So the tithe recognizes God's ownership. It is holy and honors God. It's 10% of every dollar. It is also an act of worship. Now, we won't have time to get into it today because my time's running out, but you can go over there and read. If you read in Deuteronomy, uh, you can read over there in Deuteronomy 26 about tithing to tithe. And, you know, they said... That when they brought this out, they said, we're bringing the whole tithe, we're bringing it in recognition and honoring you, God, that you're our source, that you have blessed us, and out of that, we are bringing back your portion. They saw the tithe as belonging to God. And you know what? You will never consistently tithe until you come to that same attitude. That it all belongs to God, and I'm a steward. But God allows me to keep the 90, but I'm going to give the 10 back to Him. Did you know if the body of Christ as a whole, I'm talking about the whole body of Christ, would just do tithing, just tithe, there would absolutely be no lack in any church anywhere. There would be no lack for any new initiative that God wanted to do, whether it was a building project, a church planning project, 
uh, 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 taking care of the orphans, the widows, whatever, there would be absolutely no lack. Wow. You know, here at Passion Church, you know, we're, we've got our faith out there and we're believing God for a building, but a building's going to take some money. I, I know some people, I told you, God's not into magic. If you read, if you read the, especially in the Old Testament, God prohibited people using magic. So he's not using magic. And some people think, you know, well, God's just going to magically give us a building. Really? Is he going to come down with, a, with that wave of... Uh, you, you've got him confused with Harry Potter. God's not into magic. You know what? God uses his people. God uses his people. When God wants the gospel, who, what does he do? He tries to find somebody to go, what? And share the gospel. He doesn't just, the gospel doesn't come out of a voice up in heaven, down. Somebody, he has to use somebody, doesn't he? When God gets ready to heal, what's the, now, we know sometimes God may heal, you know, on his own sovereignly. But most of the time, if there's healing, what is it? Somebody is being used. Somebody's praying, somebody's agreeing, somebody's anointing with oil, somebody's laying hands on somebody. Isn't that right? God uses people, doesn't he? And so the same thing's true. You know, if we're going to get a, a, that building that we want, you know what? God, it's going to cost money. And that money's not going to come magically from God. It's going to come through you. But here's the thing. If I don't position myself... For God to use me in this manner because either I don't know or either I've allowed fear. Oh, if I give that 10%. Listen, I've been there where, you know, uh, giving $10 was a big deal for me. That was my tithe. But it was a big deal at the time because I needed that $10 to buy some diapers or something, you know. And then, you know... You know, but you're faithful in that. And then, you know, you move up the next step and you're giving that $100. Man, that was... Man. But here's the thing. If we do this, it says, he says, I'll open the windows of heaven. He said, I'm going to pour you out a blessing. And you know what? That's what we need. Here at Passion Church, we need, I need, God needs, more importantly, you to prosper. I want to see everybody here, and even the ones who are not here today, I want to see them prosper. Prosper, prosper, prosper. <clears throat> because God has plans, and He wants to include you in those plans. Not only for your life, yes, He does in your family, but also for His church and for His work. Amen? You know, I, I want to, we want to be involved in church planting even more than what we're doing, you know? We want, we want, you know, we want to get, we want to get our, our, us another building. Wouldn't you like to do that? I mean, you know, especially all the people that set up every morning. Maybe you people that, you know, if you're coming and you're, you're not involved in the setup, maybe you're okay with this. But, you know, when you get here early every week, you're having to set everything up and do all that. You know, we're looking for a place that would be more permanent. Amen. And so we are praying and believing, but at the same time, it's going to take money. And that means it's what it's got to come through you. That's how God's going to do it. Say, God's going to do it through me. <laughs> oh, I just thought Pastor Norris, man, he just, 
pray that super duper 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 super duper 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 prayer and then blah. <laughs> God's not into magic. And listen, if I did it all, then all I would all passion church would need to be was to be to consist of one person. But that's not how God does it. I have a part. A part. I have a small part. You have a small part. She has a small part. But you get all the small parts together. What? It becomes a big one. So it's all of us together. There's nobody, you know, that is indispensable. Are you listening? Because I'm not the first pastor here. There were others that came before me. And if the Lord tears, there's going to be somebody that comes after me. So I know I'm not indispensable. If I was, I'd live forever. But God, at the same time, God uses us. He needs us. And He needs you to prosper. And so we're talking about God's financial plan. Real quickly, benefits of this covenant. First of all, it frees me from the love of money. Man, I don't know about you, but I grew up dirt poor. Does anybody know what dirt poor means? See, one of the things I know dirt poor meant because there was a lot of dirt around us. I remember our front yard, we had no grass. We had a yard, but it was no grass. It was all dirt. And you used to get out there with those old, uh, they had yard brooms. Oh, boy. I'm either giving away my age or my era or whatever. I don't know. But, and, and that's what you did. You didn't cut the grass. You swept the yard. So I, when they said dirt poor, I know there was a lot of dirt around us. And there were fields around us, and you got to work in the field. You know, and if, you know, especially as a kid, if you got paid a quarter an hour, you was doing good. We didn't have a bath, we had a path. Oh, for the good old days, somebody says, not me. I'm living in the good old days. Oh, buddy. Chop the firewood to bring it in. Put the bucket down a well to get up the water. You can go back to those good old days if you want to. I'm, I'm telling you. I like turning that faucet on. Woo, I like cutting on that hot shower. I like it, Brother Bruce. Call me spoiled if you will. <laughs> but see, when, 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 when God began to show me about this, man... You know, if you got a, man, I remember as a kid, if, if I had a quarter, oh my, get out of my way. I got a quarter. You know, that's back when, you know, when candy bars were a nickel and a Coke was a nickel. Boy, I was rolling in it with a quarter. Woo-hoo-wee. Get one of those big old baby roofs for a nickel. That thing was this big. <laughs> Making you hungry on it. But see, if you come out of that, see, then you, God says, okay, now, man, and man, when I got a, that first $100, oh my. Woohoo. Man, I know I'm, man, I stick my chest out. I know I'm rolling now, man. God said, you know, give $10. Man. 
See, see now, see, I know all you young folks and other folks, that don't, see, that don't seem like a big deal. But see, you got to remember, see, when a quarter would do what I was talking about, you know, and you, you're $5, you can fill up the car with $5 worth of gas. See, I'm trying to put this in context because you don't, I don't want you to think I was that cheap. Golly, he had a hard time giving $10. That was a lot of money, especially to me. And, but, but, but see, I grew up where all I knew was lack. And so I, that's, I was afraid. If I, if I give this $10 away, I don't know how long it's going to be before I get another one. So I, there was a fear in me that I had to overcome. And one of the ways was that was getting in on God's financial plan, and I began to give. And it, man, my flesh didn't want to do it. Because I was afraid I wasn't going to get anything else. Because that's all I knew was, was lack. Remember? I remember growing up, you know, you know, and uh, one month you have electricity, the next month you didn't. You know why you didn't? You didn't have no money to pay for it. And they'd come out and turn it off. They didn't care. I remember having these kerosene lanterns, you know. <laughs> when the electricity was turned off, you brought out the kerosene lantern. Little prayer. See, that's why I don't want to go back to the good old days. But it frees me from the love of money. And it frees me, it frees me from the fear of lack and from the love of money. Some people, man, they, I mean, man, you know, they love money's everything. Money is not everything. Money is way down the list. And tithing will help you put it in its place. I mean, there's God is first. People are second. Isn't that right? Fulfilling God's purpose is third. God's will. And then maybe money. Amen? I found out if you put God first, people second, the will of God third, you won't be lacking for fourth. It provides for God's work. It does. I remember when Cindy and I, when we were, were missionaries uh, uh, in Argentina, you know, and uh, it was she and I and our two oldest ones, they were in diapers, and we were all flying to Argentina. And they, we lined up as missionaries, and they said, well, bless your heart, it's free. Not. <laughs> Full price. Cash on the barrel head. Well, we had to have a house to stay in. Oh, they found out we come to bless their country. Oh, you can have this house. Not. <laughs> and when you rent a house there, there's nothing in it. No appliances, no furniture, nada. You had to buy all that. I mean, after you rented the house. And renting a house in Argentina. How many co-signers ended up? 14 co-signers. Well, nobody knew us in Argentina. How are you going to get 14 co-signers? <laughs> I mean, you know, as far as they knew, I mean, these Americans, they could just take off and we're stuck. But God provided, amen, and he'll provide for you. Because, you, know, you know, God didn't provide that because, you know, we were in Argentina. He provided that because he told us to go there. 
And then finally, opens uh, uh, two more things real quickly. He opens the heaven over my life and finance. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven. Open the windows of heaven over you. Man, I want an open heaven, don't you? I want to open heaven <clears throat> over our finances. I want to open heaven over this city. <clears throat> and I found this out. When God starts to move, it affects every area. It affects my relationships. It affects my serving. It affects my giving. Because when God gets your heart, He gets everything, doesn't He? When God's got your heart, He's got everything. My kids belong to Him. My house belongs to Him. My car belongs to Him. My furniture belongs to Him. Man, I remember the, the first time God said <clears throat> for me to go to Bolivia. Man, I, I, I just used my, my faith and everything. I had a brand new RX-7 Mazda. Ooh, man, you, Chris, man, I thought, it just don't get no better than this. Man, I'm, you know, you heard how broke I was. I mean, I, I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. I mean, if it, called a di- call, if it cost a dime to go around the world, I couldn't have got out of sight. I mean, that's, I was broke. I grew up that way. So I, I used my faith, and I had this brand new, anybody know a, a Mazda RX-7? You know what I'm talking about, you know? That, this one, the first, one of the first ones that came out now there, I think they're up to an 8 or a 9 or whatever they're up to. Man, that thing, sky blue. Two-seater sport car. Man, that thing, you could go around those curves. Man. Five speed, turn that music on, man. I was, mm. <laughs> behind me, you know, you can't drive it across the Atlantic. <laughs> God says, Go to Bolivia. God, I got this top of my car. You know, you can make them up the car. Man, I, I, I just moved in a beautiful townhouse. Completely furnished. Oh, it was nice. I mean, it was nice. God says, go to Bolivia. But God, you gave me this, you gave me that. Man, you know, I've arrived. But when God has your heart, He's got your Mazda. He's got your townhouse. <laughs> He's got all of that. But see, if I hadn't obeyed God, I wouldn't have got her, as well as a lot of other things in there. So I came way off better. Way off better. <laughs> Amen. I sure am glad I didn't think a car or some furniture was more important than obeying God. Isn't that right? Y'all mind if I share a little personal testimony? Because I want y'all to know, when I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to you about theory here. I mean, you know, I haven't been perfect. I'm not saying that, but I've lived this out. And I know what it's like when God asks you for Isaac. (laughs) God, you gave me Isaac. Now you want Isaac? (laughs) Amen. The devourer is rebuked as well. Now let me give you some 
action points real quickly because my time's up. I'm sorry, I went over just a little bit. We're going to wrap this up real quick, though. I know you can take a mom to eat, right? I didn't hear too many amens. But... <laughs> Some action points. You know, these are just things for you to think about. What do you think about tithing? After you've heard this, maybe if you're already a tither, of course, probably most of this you already know. But, but maybe there's some people, you know, maybe you've been on the fence about tithing. Listen, let me say it again. You're not under a curse because you're not tithing. Are you listening to me? But you're not under the blessing either. Are you listening? So it's up to you. You know, what, what do you want? You want what you can do? Are you satisfied with that? Okay. Or do you want what God says he can do? Pour you out a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. Secondly, what attitudes toward money or God need to change for you to begin tithing? See, a lot of people say, I can't afford to tithe. Well, then you need to be here next week because I'm going to be talking about decisions and money management. And, it's, you know, and here's the thing, everybody can afford to tithe. Now, you may have yourself in a pickle where it's hard to tithe. I've been there. Come on. I've been there. I'm, I'm not happy about it. I'm not proud about it. I'm just being honest with you. But you know what? God can bring you out even in that situation if you'll begin to tithe and say, God, I'm going to honor you. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to honor you. And also, we'll talk about some decisions you might be able to make to adjust your standard of living in your budget. Ooh, I knew that would go over. And then finally, are you a reluctant or a cheerful tither? says a lot about our attitudes, doesn't it? Our attitudes. God's financial plan. God wants us to prosper. Amen? And He wants us to have money under our control and not money controlling us. That's why I say getting a grip on your money. I'm talking about where we are controlling it. We, where we use it, it's a tool, it's a servant. It's not something that, that lords it over us. It's not something that drives us. And I found this out. I'll close with this thought and then we're going to pray. You know, I've been in lack and I am abounding. And I found out when I was in lack, money was on my mind a whole lot more than when I had plenty of it. Because when I was in lack, I was always thinking about how I'm going to pay this bill or meet that obligation or whatever. And guess what that ultimately always came to? Money. So I was thinking about it all the time. But when you have an abundance, are you listening? We were, we were down for our son's wedding. What was it, about three weeks ago now? When we were gone? Four weeks? While we were down there, uh, you know, we had a problem with our vehicle. It broke down, couldn't drive it. Well, that wasn't fun. So I just took it to the dealership. They looked at it and said, you know, this is what you need, and this is what you need, and it's going to cost you this much, and I, I didn't even have to think about it. So go ahead and fix it. And while, while they fixed it, I had favor. They gave us another vehicle, <laughs> you know. And so I just drove that Lincoln around <laughs> for my son's wedding and everything and enjoyed it. And meanwhile, I, didn't, I wasn't fretting about how I was going to pay for the bill. Boy, that's a whole lot better. I've been on the other side. Well, that thing broke down, I just parked it. (laughs) 
Let me, let me share some announcements with you, and then we're going to pray and let you go. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.